Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, welcome back to Fifty Shades of Blue. I hope you all had a good weekend. This is uh, somewhat of a special episode for me in the sense that it's my niece who came on to talk about her own experiences in an abusive relationship, I think, which I think is really important. Um, you'll... You'll hear about the details, obviously, later on in the episode, but the preface is basically that she was in a relationship that turned out to be pretty manipulative, pretty uh, pretty terrible, and really uh, emotionally abusive, um, and she was even engaged in this relationship. She was quite young at the time, and um, fortunately, it, it didn't uh, carry out the way that it was originally planned to have carried out, and she was able to get out of that, and through that, had kind of recognized a lot of that experience is experience what she went through and he's she's been able to help a lot of other people through her own experience with this and so we figured we'd record it and it was her idea to come out with this and talk about it and I couldn't commend her more for being open about this because it's not easy to come forward in these scenarios um, obviously normally I like to do kind of a Monday episode drop with Chase and just kind of recap some of the week some sports stuff things like that but uh, I recorded this episode not too long ago with Amanda, and I thought, you know what, it's kind of better to get this out sooner than later. Not because it's timely, but because I actually really like it. I think it's an important topic, so why sit on it? Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I hope it's helpful. If you know of anybody that maybe you think could benefit from this specifically that might be in a relationship that is abusive, not that we're experts by any means, um, but she has experienced it. And we were able to kind of talk through it, maybe articulate some points that are important, Maybe how to recognize these scenarios if you might be in an abusive relationship. Anyway, hope it's helpful. And if you think it can help others, by all means, please share. Uh, but if not, just enjoy. And I hope your week starts out great. All right, Amanda Collister, my niece. Sorry, Amanda Nelson. I said it right <laughs> the first time. But Amanda Nelson now, ripe old age of 22 years old, uh, who has experienced a lot in life. And I wanted to bring you on to talk about some of those experiences. Um, Amanda, at the age of 22, you've been, you were engaged initially at 19 as a sophomore at BYU? Yeah, that's right. So I'm in 2018. 2018, Mm -hmm. that's right. And 
that didn't work out. And there's a lot of reasons why that didn't work out. And that's basically today's topic. We're talking about Mm -hmm. emotional and sexual abuse and the impact that that had on your initial relationship, that first engagement you were in. Um, And you wanted to talk about it because you're very open about this for one. And you've found that it can help a lot of other women you've talked to that have experienced this. And a lot of times the reason why you find it important is because you don't really, you can't really pinpoint, excuse me, you can't really pinpoint when you're being abused and Mm -hmm. controlled, so to speak, and when you're with, when you're in an abusive relationship, it's, it's hard to kind of recognize and, and to see. And, and I've even seen it firsthand as well. I want to say, now granted, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but I've seen manipulation tactics that some men will do on women. And I'm sure it goes both ways. But yeah. it does seem to kind of weigh more heavily on the side of men towards no, women, sure. which is very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just unfortunate that it exists at all. And that's why you're open about it, because I think the conversation and having it be more open is to kind of enlighten others and to bring it more to the surface. So that way it's not so taboo and that people can recognize it and put an end to it as much as possible. Well, definitely everything you just said. And what I think was hardest for me is like you would not expect that as a member of the church to happen at BYU you know what I mean like I'm not even saying you know members of the church are just better than everybody out there not saying that by any means but it's kind of like this well there's a sense of decorum and professionalism and well and like understanding exactly like between two members of the church you think you'd be safe Obviously, everything we believe in and talk about is anti, like, manipulation. Not that that's, like, really a major facet of the religion, but it is not. We are anti-manipulation. Exactly. Everything we teach is in opposition to that kind of behavior. So, yeah, that's another reason, too. It's just obviously my circle is mainly BYU students, right now at least, and... I, this happened to me at BYU with another member of the church, so that's also why I want to talk about it so much, just knowing that the majority of the people who are going to hear about it are members at BYU, and it's just kind of a heads up, like, hey, you still need to be careful and be on the watch for, I don't know, people that could totally manipulate and abuse you, because it happens. Well, and I'm glad you brought it up and put it that way too because that's actually something i've thought about even recently in a different context but i think it applies here all the same which is in these situations the people are more prone to manipulation when they don't recognize the devil in somebody right Mm -hmm. and it's a lot harder to recognize the devil when you're in a community that should be comfortable to you the one that you seemingly grew up Mm in or not seemingly one that you did grow up in but perhaps this community isn't so keen on recognizing these wolves among sheep so mm-hmm. to speak well it's like you don't want and, to you don't want them to be there you right know? exactly and i'm a huge believer of you see what you seek and i believe in exactly the opposite you don't see what you don't want to be there oh yeah absolutely and and the assumption isn't that there's corruption and terrible people that exist not just in the church, but at BYU and in any community that we're really in, ultimately. Like, you don't even want terrible people to be on your street. That's mm-hmm. why we have the sex offender registry, right? Mm-hmm. So you can see people and how close they are to you and things like that. And so you can kind of control who really gets in to enter your community. Mm-hmm. And 
with all that is the assumption that in our own community, within the church, within BYU, it's really only full of people that practice good characteristics, that want to be good people, that aren't using anything that they possess for bad. No, 100%. And um, what I was going to say, though, is that what was scariest in my experience with my ex-fiance was that he used the church and our doctrine to manipulate me like the worst combination of things that i don't know at least in my experience like that was so invasive and scary and destructive and it was really tactful like i definitely i wouldn't say it was premeditated by any means but he seems to have known what he was doing that- yeah, I would doubt that most of these scenarios are premeditated because, and frankly, when it comes to people like your ex-fiance, they, most of them don't, I feel like don't really, would never think that they're actually being manipulative. Not that that excuses them by any means. I mean, obviously, we went to the whole Title IX case and he, we had statements go back and forth. That was part of the process. And in every statement, it was, I'm not manipulative she's actually manipulating me. So he has come out forthright and made several statements about how he is not manipulative in any way. So he definitely, I mean, you're right on track. He doesn't think he's manipulative. Yeah, yeah because I, in, order, in order to really live like that, you would have to believe that, well, okay, I would say for most people, unless you're a sociopath, which there are those that, that exist as well. But in order to you know, move forward in life with that mindset and to be able to live with yourself, you'd have to think that what you're doing is good. I would think that, mm-hmm. that what you think you're, is doing, you're doing is the right thing. And that even though it is manipulation, you know, you, you're doing it for the better of both of them. Like when he would try and get you to change the way you were or to do things, mm-hmm. he was doing it to seemingly make you better or make you understand a situation better or whatever no it's true is that and probably not in every case because there were the scenarios as you had mentioned sexual abuse where it wasn't so much obviously to make you a better person but it would have been more to justify his own position there well definitely like he i think he initially knew what he was doing was wrong but he would twist it in his head in order to continue that behavior. So he didn't want to stop, but he also didn't want to live with that guilt that it just naturally brought him because it was so evil, frankly. So he twisted it. So no, I'm not abusing Amanda. I'm helping her. This is good for her. I'm teaching her all these things. So I totally agree with you. It's so scary. It's so, it so is. scary. I can imagine. I can imagine that's why it's important for you, for people like you to talk about these scenarios, because it can be less scary if we're a little bit more aware of who these wolves in sheep clothing are. But can you take us through kind of your own experience, like maybe how it started? And and I want to kind of establish a foundation here. You are not naive when it comes to the gospel. You come from a very, very strong family in that regard. Your parents are both regular believers, practicers and just all all around consumers of the gospel on a daily basis it has mm-hmm. become a fundamental point of not just who they are individually but who they are as a couple and who they want to be as a family so this isn't you just coming out of this weird 
naivety bubble or whatever and being exposed to the real world for the first time. Because your parents also, I would not say, are, they're not ones to, they're not Peter Priestody, Molly Mormon-ish at all. And in no, fact, they're yeah. very pragmatic about their approach. Now, granted, this is my family as well, so I could be biased. <laughs> but with that said, I would say that objectively, most people would agree with us here. So setting that scene, take us through your experience, how it came about, maybe when you started recognizing things, and just kind of take us through the timeline here, because and then I'll kind of ask you questions along the way. Yeah, so I used to have this down pat. Like, I could give you any detail of any situation I was ever in with him because I kind of had to for Title IX purposes. But fortunately for me, I guess unfortunately for the podcast, my memory really suffers now. I think it, like, deleted anything that wasn't essential. But, yeah, for... The podcast will survive. I'm actually glad that you donh't remember a lot of the details well, that's what I was saying I, I think, fortunately I think that's a tender me, mercy oh 100% it has saved me like especially with and I know we're, we don't have to delve into this but just yeah not having to think about that all the time especially now that I am married like that's the last thing I want to think about I want to focus on my happy marriage and not what would have been with your terrible a terrible marriage. marriage yeah exactly so yeah. yeah but um I guess yeah I'll start from the beginning you tell me you heard me into the right little route they want me to go but um we met at BYU like I said in an acapella group um and over time we just became friends we had the same sense of humor we got along really well um and he wanted to date me I did not find him attractive in any way and that was a big deal for me and that's not revisionist history no i can confidently say i did not find him attractive <laughs> is that what you're asking well, it's funny about that yeah yeah and uh so we'll get into that in a second but because i remember me thinking the exact same thing when your mom told me about him not that this isn't like necessarily a, a component that really matters but i remember just thinking like uh this is strange <laughs> but okay let's play this out well that's actually funny that you say that because that was probably the number one comment that i got after people found out that we'd broken up was oh good like you know he we never saw you two together you we knew that you deserved someone better and based on looks and that which dalton i was dalton like is you guys should have told total, me like what fake friends drink of water i i do find dalton very attractive <laughs> and i did I from the too. beginning and I, so, I, can, I can say that about a man who's uh, uh, coming from a man who's confident in his own sexuality you you married a good looking man and a really just good person overall i might add. i totally agree i'll tell him that he will he'll love it i'm sure he would say the same thing about you to be honest <laughs> well, good looking dude <laughs> i got you free but, um, okay, yes, we don't have to segue. Back to the, what I was saying, did not find him attractive. Um, but he was into me, wanted to date, and I did really like his personality. So we went on a Probably date. Probably very charismatic. I would imagine most guys very, in these situations are. Yeah. No, totally. They're appealing. They've got to be appealing in some way. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. So, and yeah, so we went out. 
he wanted to be my boyfriend. I remembered consulting friends. Someone said, and this is the really like stripped version that might make me sound like an idiot. So I can elaborate if you need me to in certain situations. But yeah, a, basically a friend that was in our acapella group just said like, what's the harm? Give it a shot. Like you can always break up with them, which is true. So we started dating. I had never had a boyfriend before also. I feel like that's important to know. This is my first actual like, official labeled exclusive Mm -hmm. pairing off so to speak yeah yeah like i tell people i have a boyfriend if they were to ask me out um so things were going well and looking back i can see you know even from the beginning he was already starting to kind of assert himself as a source of like correction and help in my life like i needed him already kind of developing like this dependency that i would have on him in the future that is what made it really hard for me to break up with him ultimately looking back i can see that but obviously then i i didn't see that i just thought like wow he's awesome like i really need someone like this in my life um which is scary because i I could say the same thing about dalton so it's kind of like that question of well what is genuine and what isn't you know what i mean absolutely that's a that's a really good point that you're making and something with uh just kind of the idea that there there are good versions of this Mm -hmm. and there are bad versions about of this but the problem is how do you identify the good version and the bad version and they look so similar on the surface yeah, and I would imagine it requires a lot of introspection, a lot of intellectual honesty, where mm-hmm. you have to look inside and be like, what is, what are things that actually I do really truly believe that I need to work on, and mm-hmm. who's pointing that out, and how are they going about thinking that they'll help me conquer this? Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. So, yeah, looking back, I, and I can confidently say that I do not, I'm not like embarrassed that I got swindled i guess i don't know but like i that's a a kind of a (laughs) for lack of a better word um into dating him basically and almost marrying him because he was good at manipulating me like i would not say that i'm like a stupid person and it fully worked on me because it is so tricky to discern the difference between like you said like are they a wolf or are they a sheep? Because he looks an awful lot like a sheep. And that was something that was actually hard for me when I was dating Dalton was things were going really well. But Dalton was the same situation, just the actually like genuinely good version of it. And I was I had so much PTSD from obviously realizing that I had been tricked by someone who appeared this way that Dalton was appearing. But that so it did take me time actually to figure out like this is a healthy relationship and it's genuinely healthy. It is not a manipulated version of you know what my ex-fiance is trying to come across as but anyway so yeah we started dating slowly so I started to rely on him more became more dependent on him he would help me make a lot of my decisions sometimes it came down to he would help me choose what to wear because he was so picky about what I wore and it was always so it was always painted so that 
I thought he cared what I looked like because he wanted me to look flattering and be confident about myself. And he would say, oh, like, I know you liked wearing this shirt, but I'm just being honest. Like, it actually doesn't look good on you. You should wear this. And I totally fell for it. Just really thinking like, whoa, like he's being really honest because you know this, your own mom is very blunt and my mom is very blunt. So I'm used to blunt people and I appreciate that honesty. So that didn't seem weird to me. Um, and then well, real quick though, he yeah. was, he was, he was telling you at times when you looked unflattering and as if it was a way of like, I'm just trying to make you look more flattering mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like that I seems very strange you. to me. Yeah. Everything was very yeah, like, strange. Like why would, why would he care how you looked to other people? That seems like as long as you, you look good to him, isn't that all that really matters? I don't know. Well, even I like I would go so far as to say like now with my relationship, like my husband does not care what I look like. As long as I like what I look like. And I feel like that's what a healthy relationship is. Like, he wants me to feel Well, he confident. definitely cares to some degree, right? Well, I guess, but yes, but he trusts You just mean not in the same way that taste. your ex-fiance cared. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I'd say yeah. my husband trusts my judgment. So then past that point, doesn't care. Because, you know, they wouldn't, gotcha. you know, dress yeah, that in a way sense. that he yeah. is kind of like, wait, what's going on? But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was obviously not that way with my ex-fiance, he became super controlling of basically everything I did. So my the way I used my time, just my appearance, who I talked to, basically every aspect of my life he was involved in and had an opinion on. And it was usually not what my opinion was. So I was starting to cater my life to appease him. Um, so... Yeah, that just basically escalated. The pattern remained the same and just got more and more intense until eventually I broke up with him, which was a miracle. I think the reason I did was because we were actually visiting my hometown for a sister's baptism. And he came, I think this was the first time he met my siblings, the second time he met my parents. I was there as well. Oh, yeah, I remember being in the car with you actually with him before we i vividly remember at least one of those situations when we were together but yeah. um i remember you know what's funny is that one of the like so not to insert myself too much here but yes to insert myself at least a yeah, little, i'll it. just call a spade a spade <laughs> i don't know if you remember but i never i never liked him really that much i mean he had he had tried to butter me up at one point and it kind of worked where i was like yeah he seems like an okay guy but going into it, I was weirded out by him. I thought he was a weird-looking guy. Not that that says everything, obviously, <laughs> or even says anything to some degree. But um, in this scenario, it seemed to see, say something. And I I remember watching some story that he did for your acapella group's Instagram. And, like, he got to yeah, be yeah. the person of the day to do it. And I, I was like, you're talking about. your sister – or, sorry, my sister, your mom, asked me what I thought. And I was, like, kind of – hesitant to really say at first and then i kind of just finally came out with it and she's like well what is it like what do you think she's like your, your secret's safe with me which obviously is not a secret anymore and i can tell you <laughs> because it doesn't matter and Mm-mm. if anything you probably appreciate it mm-hmm. i just was i just said i don't like him 
I, I just, I don't, I don't like him. I don't even know him, but I feel weird saying that. But after watching that story, it was seemed so self-indulgent in so, mm-hmm. so, so many ways. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't, this guy doesn't seem to fit in, in the grand, like, fan, like our family, right? Like mm-hmm. me as your uncle and like your cousins and my brothers and sisters, your other uncles and aunts and everything. Like it just didn't seem to fit into our culture as a family at all. And on the contrary, not that that's necessarily a prerequisite to get married, by the way, because I think you see that every now and then and it actually still works out and everything's great. So I wouldn't say that's a requirement, but it can be at least a yellow flag. And it was at very least a yellow flag here because Dalton fits in perfectly, I would say. Like it didn't skip a beat. Like Dalton, like your parents are like Dalton's parents. Like, and Mm -hmm. that's just the relationship he has with them. I mean, a lot of that just speaks volumes about Dalton, but not that your parents are at all hard to get along with. In Mm -hmm. fact, they're super easy to get along with but anyway this is super this is getting tangential but (laughs) i just i remember being in that car with you guys and i remember your little brother chris was in the car with us and he was saying some obnoxious things i'm sure and there was a little bit of a back and forth between you and chris just brother sister stuff and what i noticed is that was kind of going after chris with you the little brother Mm mm-hmm I'm sitting here thinking that just seems weird to me. Like, mm-hmm. what well, if he's trying to like butter people up? Wouldn't don't you think he'd he'd maybe like not pile on mm-hmm. a sibling and just try and play like neutral for a little bit? Because you wouldn't. I know you well enough to know that you wouldn't require that he has your back in that scenario. It was a, it was a dumb little spat between siblings. Like it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it I just didn't weird that he, like here he had an opportunity to like just sit this one out but he felt like he had to insert himself and pile on your little brother who was already getting made fun of by you so i don't know the whole situation was weird but i don't really know how to articulate it or what it may have meant but no well it's funny that you remember that um and not that i'm going to be comparing you know my ex with dalton the whole time but like if you were to think of dalton in that situation how different it would have been. It's oh, just so like different. astounding to me. It's black and white. Yeah. Like either Dalton would have sat a, sat out, he or come he, to whatever Chris's he rescue, if anything. Yeah, he would have come to Chris's rescue, or you yeah. just wouldn't try to be a diffuser. No, one hundred percent. Which he is. Yeah. He is a peacemaker, and I, which I love about him, and and it's great. But yeah, I know it's just funny whenever someone remembers a very specific, like situation with my ex, and I can't help but I mean I've been with Dalton long enough that there's been either the same situation or a comparable situation and I can't help but just think like wow I really have it good now and I realized that because I had it so poorly and I tell people that a lot like a lot of people ask me you know do you regret dating him do you wish it didn't happen and this might sound super like cliche but I would never ever take that back and it's because I can genuinely say that it has improved my perspective of our marriage because I do not take Dalton for granted I really truly understand like what a an ugly and unhealthy and sad relationship is like and I can compare that to my own relationship that I have now And it feels, it's just that much sweeter, you know, because I know what it was like to be in virtually the opposite kind of relationship. So it's just so funny that you say that because I can't help but think 
what if it was Dalton instead and I know what it would be like and it's just the exact opposite and you wouldn't be complaining about it and yeah it's just it's so interesting that you pointed that out yeah no for sure and um along those lines I but what you're saying is something that I really like a lot and it's essentially essentially what you're saying is that how grateful for the atonement you are right mm -hmm. because a lot of people talk about it in this context where they say, I'm actually grateful for my sins because if it for my sins, I wouldn't have this realization of like exactly the wrongs that I was doing and that others were doing to me and blah, 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 all that stuff, right? And mm -hmm. I understand where people are coming from when they think that, right? I've heard people say it in this way before where they're actually grateful for their addiction of whatever addiction that may be because their addiction is what led them on the path towards recovery, which helped mm -hmm. them discover the atonement and healing and all sorts of things. And ultimately, what they're really saying is that they're grateful for the atonement. It seems I totally like, right? agree. Because the atonement is what allows us 100%. to experience mm -hmm. both sides of this and to not be so hung up and just tortured by it in the past. And here you are right before me saying you don't even really remember some of the details. And what a blessing that is. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. No, it, it really is. Um, and so that, that's what I like about what you're saying there. Is it really is just kind of a manifestation of the atonement in your life. No, yeah, you put it in better words than I ever could have. I, I just, whenever I talk about this, I honestly have a hard time articulating things correctly because I have so many feelings about it that I just say a lot of words like all at once. So, no, I appreciate you reining me in there. But, oh, um, yeah, not, not a problem. So, okay, this was a tangent from how I was in my hometown and you were there also. <laughs> but basically, yeah, yeah. I was at home with my parents, which was really healthy because, I mean, they have a healthy relationship. I have a healthy relationship with them. Um, my ex and I were out uh, outside of our, you know, normal situations, atmosphere, yeah. whatever. You were out of your comfort zone. You had to... Totally. You had to, well, mostly out of yeah. his comfort zone. I was in my comfort zone. And that's kind of Good the point, point that I'm making yeah. is that his behavior seemed out of place where ordinarily it seemed like my behavior was out of place, which is exactly what he wanted. And I think that me being home is the primary reason that I had the courage, was able to, whatever, essentially was able to break oh, up with yeah. him, though. No question about that. Yeah, and I would agree. the other thing was that I knew previously that if I tried to break up with him, which I had tried to do in Provo, I had tried to break up with him or at least alluded to the fact that I needed a break or something. And he being so manipulative, but also me not having any other close friends or relatives nearby to essentially like shelter with he had control over you know mostly where I was because he drove me everywhere I didn't have a car he wouldn't let me out of his sight normally I I could not get away with, from him whereas at home I broke up with him and my parents didn't let him come talk to me which was well, and you a also nice buffer. which was part of your decision right you felt like that was the right thing because you're like I don't even I knew he talked know me back how into to it. see clearly whenever he's around mm -hmm. exactly yeah no and you, seriously your parents were able to jump on that yes so i broke up with him over the phone long story short he wanted to talk to me texted me i you know didn't text him back told my dad my dad ended up reading out and say it said 
hey, we have heard some unhealthy things about your relationship from Amanda. We feel like it's best that you do not contact her at this point. Please don't call her. Don't text her. Don't reach out over social media. Don't have your family call her. You guys are done. I'm sorry, but that's what's best for her right now. And that was really nice because I can't imagine exactly what it would have been like in Provo, but I can say that I would not have had that buffer because I was physically separated from him. Like he could not come into our home. So that was really nice. And then I had the clarity I needed and he still wanted to talk to me when I came back to Provo. Obviously didn't take him up on it because I knew at that point that I, I was at least putting it together that he had been manipulating me the whole time because I feel like the quintessential like description of manipulation is it made sense when he was saying it, but I couldn't explain it to you. And do you, yeah. do you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. You've heard someone yeah, say yeah. that maybe. Like, it makes sense when he's telling me or explaining it, but I couldn't. I could not explain to you what it was. And that was basically every single thing that he said to me because so many people would say, why did you do that? How did he explain it in a way that that made sense to you? And at the time, it 100% did. I would come to him with my concerns. He would brush them off, explain to me why they weren't valid, and it made sense. And then I'd go home and be just so confused like wait what happened I felt I was feeling so good when I was with him now that I'm not I literally can't see clearly now like it was just so confusing so it was really good for me to be home it was just like separation when Michael Scott was trying to explain (laughs) how a multi-level marketing pitch (laughs) is to some of his employees yes and they're like, so pyramid scheme. Yes. He's like, no, 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 no. It's not a pyramid he scheme. He draws the one circle, the two circles, the three. <laughs> yeah. And then Jim walks up and writes a triangle exactly. around it. Yes. He, he wasn't able to articulate it in the totally. moment. But, you know, you put him in an environment where people aren't necessarily just going to take it at face value. Then all of a sudden it's able to be questioned, which brings up an important point here, I think. And this is because I also want this to be somewhat fulfilling for anybody else out there that might by chance be listening to this episode that might be suffering from this is that yes. you need to put yourself in an environment that you're comfortable with mm-hmm. something where you can really really be yourself where you're around people that you that know who you really are like you were with your family mm-hmm. and that, that way so not true. only they can recognize how different you are but you can also see the difference very vividly with how you act with your family when your significant other is around that's manipulating you versus when he's not around or she's not around. Mm -hmm. No, I'm a huge advocate for having your significant other be around your family as frequently as possible before deciding whether or not you want to marry them. And I know I have some friends who got engaged before they ever met their in-laws and and it it worked out fine for them. So I'm not saying this is, you know, 100% the solution, but... I really do think that there is something said, or at least like a friend group that, like you said, you really can be comfortable around and taking your significant other and putting them in that environment to see, okay, do they fit? Because I know I fit in with these people, whether they're my family or friends. Let's see if he fits or she fits, whatever, because that really is telling of your relationship with them. Because I really do think that if you are marrying the right person, you are not changing your personality around them like obviously we want to change and become better people but you're not changing your personality and who you you know fundamentally are which I was 
so because another important component of this is we're looking back at your situation before he had met your parents or before he had met your family did it seem like there may have been something off at all to you um yes so let me make sure i understand what you're asking before i say what i'm about to say you just want to know if I felt like there's anything off about his behavior once we were in my family environment? No, 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 no. Before you were ever in your family environment, before you even met your parents, did you feel oh, like okay. you could have been in a situation that, uh-oh, some of these things seem a little off, but I'm not yes. positive? No, a lot, actually. So uh, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, where looking back, I can see that I really was manipulated because I would bring to him some concerns I had before we were with my family, just we were in Provo, just dating. And I would tell him like either if so I mean, mostly it was a, a physical concern, like he would want to do something I didn't feel comfortable with or would force me to do something I wasn't comfortable with. And I would talk to him about how that was really concerning for me and how I felt uncomfortable or whatever it was. And I knew that was not right. And that is an example of something that he would somehow explain away like it was good. I am mistaken for being uncomfortable. My parents are mistaken for teaching me that is wrong. All any way he could think of that would break me down and basically gaslighting me into me thinking like I don't know anything. I felt like I just became this blank slate for him to work with through those experiences. But yes, to answer your question, before we ever were with my family in the in the situation where I broke up with him, I would definitely see things that bugged me and would tell him and it was brushed off, somehow explained, and I would move on. So the reason why I asked that is because it just seems like it's ever like more important that if you at all have any inkling whatsoever mm -hmm then it should be a prerequisite that at the very least you bring up those concerns with someone other than that person. Yes. Right? Totally. Like either your parents over the phone or somebody, just a trusted confidant altogether, somebody that is relatively disconnected from mm -hmm. your situation or at least hasn't really witnessed it firsthand. So that way you can get an objective third party, but not necessarily totally objective. Somebody that is subjective about your feelings and how yes. and they have their, like they have your best interest in mind because and I'm glad you said that you were able to, you even recognized it before it had come to the surface with your family because you would take those concerns to him. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's the adult thing to do, generally speaking. That's what you do but in a healthy dealing, relationship. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you do in a healthy relationship. You don't go to others. That's the, that's the irony here is that the default is to go directly to the person. But when you're dealing with a master manipulator, they're manipulation tactics come into play without oh, probably even in the subconscious mm -hmm. and you're back to square one and you're like okay i guess i was seeing that weird and then it's just come becomes this deeper web of issues that become even harder to get out of at that point and so because mm -hmm. i want to go back to that where you said you have some friends that got engaged before either of them or at least one of them may have met the other parents or whatever and i'm i'm with you that 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 doesn't need to be a prerequisite per se, but it certainly can be really helpful. And if you're questioning your current relationship at all, it is a prerequisite. Yes, I would, I would say so. And it's kind of like, if you can't make that work, 
why? Like, because I remember with dating my ex-fiance, we were on a time crunch because he wanted to marry me so that we were married and I couldn't just leave him. And it's kind of like concerning if, you know, you are having doubts about someone, you feel really strongly about, you know, them meeting your family. So you're in your comfort zone and see how it all plays out. And you can't make it work before you need to get married. Like that is like, why? Do do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's really weird to me that somehow you need to get married so quickly that you don't have time. Cause I understand that it's inconvenient to go out of town. I'm guessing that's probably the number one situation in which you wouldn't meet your in-laws is they don't live nearby. And if you can't fit that into your schedule before you need to get married or engaged or whatever, that's like a little concerning. Cause I know for me, like I said, our timeline was so short because he wanted to give me the least amount of time possible to get out of it. That's just, those are my two cents on that situation, but I think we're on the same yeah, page Yeah, absolutely. There. No, yeah, for sure. And that's important because you've actually experienced this firsthand, and I'm, I'm really glad you uh, were willing to talk about this because it is a really important topic. Like I said, I wit- I've witnessed this firsthand. I've witnessed this in, from what I would, I mean, I'm no expert, so I'm not going to sit here and say definitively that this is the case, but what, from what appears to me being a manipulative relationship from friends of mine to others, which almost makes me sound like I'm a party to it, which sounds terrible, <laughs> but I don't know for sure, but it does kind of seem like there is some, there's some tactics being employed that are questionable, but I don't necessarily really want to insert myself into something that is really not my business ultimately. So that's, I don't know, maybe it's that old adage that I'm just a contributor to, which is for evil, in order for evil to prevail, uh, good men must do nothing or something along those lines. Um, so I, I think know. you're, I think you're good. <laughs> oh, you I think, no you think I'm a good man? Oh, I think you're oh, a wonderful oh. man. Oh, well that, do you want to shift gears here I and I tell you all the things I like about you <laughs> as a person <laughs> and an uncle? We can do that. <laughs> no, let, no, let's save that for another pod when I'm feeling down and I'm just going to need people to just shower compliments on me. <laughs> okay. Really, sounds I, good. I don't doubt for a second that you'd be able to bust it out because you and I've had that relationship. I mean, it's. Hardly an uncle niece relationship. Let's let's be real. No, uh, I'm glad that you said that. I would be offended if you only thought of me as your niece. <laughs> right. Um. So before we close out here, um, which thank you again. Did mm-hmm. you want to sum it up with anything in particular, kind of a leave behind that you'd like to get across for this episode? Oh, there's so much. I'm already like time flew. Yeah. Like. Did. I'm like part two, three, four, five, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. um, we didn't really dig too deep into like the spiritual side of things, but my number one takeaway that I have such a strong testimony of is the fact that you really can take trials, hindrances, anything that you struggle with and turn it into a positive experience for you to learn from. And the best part about that is you have to decide whether or not you're going to do that. And that to me at least was life-saving in this situation because it empowered me. Whereas before with my relationship with my ex, he, what's the opposite of empowering? De-empowering? 
totally uh, just destroying my confidence in myself. Yeah, destroying, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so he took away a lot of my decision making, my well, my desire to make decisions. Like I said before, I just kind of turned to him for all that. And um, yeah, I wasn't really in control of my preferences anymore. It was really like I was just this blank. You were, it sounds like you were, you were more concerned about how he felt about things than how you felt about things. Yeah, because he would definitely take it out on me, which we didn't get into. Yeah. But I fully was willing to change basically anything about myself if he would stop doing, you know, X, Y, Z. And I started to put that together. If I, if I do this, then he stops abusing me yeah. in this regard or whatever. But so yeah, 100%. But I guess, yeah, takeaway. Everyone struggles with something, whether it's, you know, they put themselves into that situation, they're born with this trial, whatever it is. And what I learned the most is that we all have the power to take that hardship and use it for our own gain, which is like the coolest thing ever. And that's what we were talking about earlier with the atonement. That's possible because of the atonement, that we can take our sadness and turn it into happiness and profit. And I, cause I really do feel like that I profited from this experience, which I think is, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or anything, but I feel like it's amazing to be able to say that I took the hardest thing that's ever happened to me and still affects me today, even though it's been over three years, I was like, I am better because of that. But I really do think that I had to make that decision because not everyone does. I have been in contact with a lot of girls now who have suffered, you know, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, whatever it is, and they are still broken inside. And I'm not bagging on them by any means because I'm not trying to compare trials at all. But you do have to decide at some point, am I going to let this break me or build me? And my whole point is that it's up to you. Like, once you're out of that relationship... It is on your terms whether or not you want to get better and and flip it around for your own personal gain or let it just slow you down for the rest of your life and hinder every relationship you might have, every encounter you might have. So to me, that was the most empowering aspect of the whole thing. I decided to break up with him and then I decided to say, how am I going to grow from this? And this is making it, this is so much easier said than done and it was not as easy as I think I'm portraying it to have been, but I can confidently say that I did not want him to have that power over me for the rest of my life. Like that was mostly what it was. It was kind of to get back at him. I did not want to be broken because of him and let him win, I guess, for lack of a better word. That's kind of where what I was thinking. That was my headspace, at least, and all of this decision-making. No, absolutely. Well, while you were saying that, it made me think that like one easy way to maybe almost gauge like how much control they want over the relationship to 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 your demise essentially is you could just say, "Why don't we go to counseling and see how they respond?" Mm-hmm. Why don't we go to therapy? And if there's like an adamant no, <laughs> then you kind of wonder, well, like what is it that you have to hide? Like no, totally. Like what is it that you like? What is it about a third party that bothers you? But one thing well, I want to actually cover really quickly. Sorry, were you going to say something? Real quick. So I don't know if I've told you this. I have been teaching a marriage prep class this semester for one of my classes at BYU. And I learned that 
like it's like between five and ten percent of couples who take marriage prep classes end up breaking up because they realize you know we don't work well together or at least we need to take a break and I thought of exactly what you're just saying like if you were to suggest to someone let's take a marriage prep class and they say no that is like a red flag to me <laughs> like why would you not want to do that yeah. so same thing counseling any any third party that has to do with your relationship if they are not willing to put themselves in that environment it totally is like what do you not want other people to see that's yeah. a good point fair question so one thing i really wanted to cover actually before i let you go because this i think is really interesting to me so you made it clear you weren't attracted to your ex-fiance that's not the catalyst that got you to date him but somewhere in there, you felt like you needed to please him. And a lot of people, I think, would point to something like attraction as being the reason why. You know, mm -hmm. you'd say, well, you must have been like head over heels for this person. That's why they just were able to own you and dominate you. But that wasn't it for you. So, And I actually see that too where it's like the, the one of the people in the relationship that's the most domineering and controlling is the not even the good-looking one in the relationship. And you kind of wonder like how – what is it about them that makes it so this person wants to please them? Why is it that their self-worth is dependent so much on this other person in the relationship? And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Um, no, that is a really good question. I have thought about this a lot, obviously. <laughs> Just trying to be like, what the heck? What sucked me in? Basically, I think you kind of pointed it out earlier just very charismatic and borderline sleazy and slimy behavior at the beginning and just making themselves seem like you need them that was what did it for me i really before we ever started before we ever became official just in our conversations i already started to think like wow I need someone like him to fix me which is not healthy but I guess I don't know becoming desirable in the sense that it's kind of like I felt like he was the answer to my progression as like an adult and as human being and that kind of did it i i don't know i can't honestly give you a good answer because i still don't know if i had known no, i, I think don't think i would have dated him <laughs> no, no fair yeah but it is something we're thinking about right what is it that you, how is it that you derive value from this relationship and i think anybody needs to answer that question and i think that needs to be answered no matter what even if you don't think you're in a manipulative relationship it probably needs to be like well what is it that i'm getting out of this relationship not that you need to be not selfishly focused necessarily, but obviously both sides need to provide value well, for the other symbiotic. in order for it to flourish. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. That's exactly right. So, yeah, I, I I don't think I really answered your question very well, but oh, that's okay. It's more kind of food for thought anyway. Just something to throw out there from a brainstorming perspective. No, yeah, I definitely think. Hopefully, whoever listens to this thinks about it because it really is a good question. And yeah, just to your point, it's I don't think it's selfish I think you can it can become selfish but I think everyone's self-interested I'm taking a, a family theories class right now and I just wrote 
something about how there's a difference between selfishness and self or self-interest and I think that's what is appropriate is to act out of self-interest and think yeah why what do I gain from this relationship and I think with abusive relationships it really is your abusive partner has broken you down so much that you think you need them to survive that's really what it comes down to I think and that's what at least in counseling when I was explained the patterns of manipulative behavior and relationships it really came down to the victim thinking that they're dependent on their abuser Right. And when you say survive, reason. I think you I think you mean that term somewhat loosely, right? You don't mean like literal physical survival, but you mean kind of like in order to just be comfortable with yourself and to feel like you're making progress just in your own personal life, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. No, yeah, we're on the same page there. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah, that and and cuz and that makes sense to me because obviously you weren't looking at your ex-fiance and saying like I can't live without you. But you were saying this is I see myself in a scenario that I need I need to become this person and mm-hmm. you're the only person that can help me become that person because mm-hmm. he he got you there somehow obviously through manipulation but yeah well anyway. yeah he that's how he made himself seem more attractive than my alternatives yeah. was he would give me that whatever factor I needed to become better that's kind of what our relationship at least was is that I thought he understood more at least about the gospel and life and would help me improve as a person and I deeply desire improvement and progression on my behalf at least and yeah he falsified that on his behalf and that's what was most attractive to me he really pinned himself out to be someone who could help me become better more than anyone else could and it was it was sick even to the point of like Jesus Christ and my and my parents like literally anyone not even like out of boys I could date literally anyone was kind of how he was portraying himself but that's a whole other conversation there (laughs) crazy well it is anyway Amanda we got to wrap it up but thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story I think it's important and I think it's great that you're open about this and it goes to show kind of how far you've come since that scenario and not just how much stronger you've gotten, but how you've been able to lift others up as well that are going through similar situations. And thank you so much for sharing that. Well, thank you for letting me ask you to come on <laughs> and being so oh. readily welcoming of it. Of course. I, once you thought of it, I was like, well, this is this is kind of a hot topic anyway, and I think it's important, so let's do it. And to have somebody firsthand that experienced it and is very open about talking about it, it was, it was a um win-win it was a uh no-brainer so well you're awesome thanks harper you're the best likewise amanda thank you changing my mind go to a different time oh love i remember falling so madly there must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night because i could fade right out of you if it takes time if it takes time to get to you i'll get to you if it takes time if it takes time to get to you i'll get to you